Welcome to Scriptures for Life, a ministry of Trinity Evangelical Free Church in Boise, Idaho. In a troubled world riddled with endless pursuits, we have a place of peace and rest in Jesus Christ. We invite you to join us in worshiping Him and following Him on a life-transforming journey. And now, here's Pastor Lorian to introduce today's sermon. Good morning. So glad that you're back with us as we search the Scriptures together. You know, I don't believe in coincidences and luck. The Bible teaches that God is in full control over the whole world and fully invested in the lives of His children. Every aspect of your life has been a design of God's grace. God's grace to hear the gospel. His grace to surrender your heart in repentance. And in His grace, you're entrusted with a life mission. You're given spiritual gifts that will bring Him glory and will fill you with satisfying purpose. At the end of the day, we too can say, it is good. As we live out Scripture, we discover that the more we serve, the more we have abundant life. Well, every single one of us remembers the time, and you may still have them, when you have to give an account for your performance at your job. You have to give an account to the government, the government for the amount of money you made and the taxes you got to pay. We remember those times, those deadlines, and they were scary, were they not? I still remember being in fifth grade and knowing I had a test coming up, and it was back in Romania, and they were harsh, and you would not sleep at night preparing for that evaluation. We know that in Christ, as the Bible teaches and shows us, Romans chapter 8, verse 1, But now, therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And we know that we have been saved. No doubt about it. But that American mindset comes in and grabs it all together and says, I'm okay, ever will be, live as I will, God will forgive me. I just made that up. But we don't realize how much Jesus teaches about the fact that there's a reckoning coming for his children. We even see in in the epistles saying that, where does judgment begin first? Judgment begins at the house of God. There's a responsibility for how much has been given in the salvation That we as saved children of God, before the bema seat, the throne of Christ, we will give an account. The scary part is that preachers and teachers and elders will give a much harsher account. For we teach it and we preach it and we better live it. And we know we're just human and we sin. We're responsible. Every single one of us will give an account for the way we lived as saved children of God. We see in Ephesians chapter 4 that seeing as the days are evil, how should we then live? That continues in the books of Hebrews. Once we've seen and received the salvation, how can we escape what we receive from God is responsibility, a judgment if we're not faithful. There is that part of faithfulness that we can't play with. And so therefore, this, this series, this message is a trumpet call, a wake-up call 
As I spoke to a friend of mine back in California when I was there a couple of weeks ago, his reaction was, the time is so short until his coming. What can I do now? Isn't it too late? Well, Scripture says, as long as you can say today, it's not too late. And this is in the light of the fact that Jesus' return for the church is around the corner. We're not talking the last hour of the centuries. We're talking the last minutes of His return. Speaking of which, we talk about, if you want to know about the Lord's coming in the season, we don't know the day or the hour, nor will we, but the Lord says, be aware of the season, be watchful, be awake, you're children of the light, so you know how to live in preparation, not in retirement. As He finds us, that we will be serving and working in the field, in the vineyard, faithful, good and faithful servant. So we say we look at Israel to know where God's time clock of His return is. Well, maybe you've read it, but this week, for the first time in thousands of years, Israel has received five red heifers. Perfect red heifers. Without blemish. What they want to do is, when they receive these red heifers, they want to prepare that when they will be sacrificed before the Lord, their ashes will be held, and they will be sprinkled at the foundation of the third temple. I'm not saying it's biblical. I'm saying in the preparation and the look and the expectation of them building that third temple. And we know that third temple will be built and standing during the last seven years of the Great Tribulation. It's all coming together. It doesn't mean you pack your bags and go up on the mountain. It means you better get busy doing what the Lord called you to do. So when He comes back, whether He comes to take you or you go to Him, you have been found faithful. So we named this series, The Reckoning. There comes a time when you will have to talk to Jesus. And there will be no excuses. Oh yeah, we'll talk about rewards We'll talk about loss of the war rewards coming up. But now we, 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 we sound the trumpet. And as we looked at our text, verse 14, For it will be like a man going on a journey who called the servants what the kingdom will be like this man. The Lord used all these parables. The kingdom is like this pearl of great price. Uh, or or the, the kingdom is like the ten virgins in the beginning of the chapter. Five were wise and five were unwise. They were foolish because they were waiting for the bridegroom. And it's, it's the, uh, the Jewish tradition that the bride or, or the groom would come and he would get engaged to his wife. And he say, listen, I'm going to come back. And in reality, the groom did not know when he would go back to take his wife. His father would tell him, this is the day, go and get your wife, bring her home. And all this time in this engagement period, the, the, the bride-to-be would wait expectant and keeping herself pure and joy for the groom to come take her away. So Jesus takes what they already knew in tradition and he brings it to a spiritual understanding that, listen, these five virgins, right, they, they, they had the lamp, all ten had the lamp, but these five had the lamp and the oil, and, and they lit up the candle. If, if, the, if the groom would come during the night, they would be ready. The five foolish ones says, eh, we got the lamps, we got the religion, we go to church, we do what's right, but no connection, no, no surrender, no, 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 no new birth in their lives, and that's what they represent. 
So when the groom came and, and the trumpets sounded, the ones that uh, were wise, they lit up and they had the light to, to receive the groom. But the ones uh, that were foolish did not have oil and the lamps would not lit. And now from that he goes, the kingdom is like also. All of these parables to help them understand, speaking to them in their own language so it would just click and make sense. And they would say, now I get it. I'm going to change the way I live. That's our reaction to hearing God's word. The fact that the message was good, boring, or long doesn't matter. The question is, have you heard what the Holy Spirit was saying while the word of God was being read? So uh, this man has gone on a journey uh, who called the servants and entrusted. We talked about this word of what it means to entrust. The idea to take what belonged to him and give it away. Trusting that it would not be wasted. There was a relationship of trust Actually, that is birthed in love, which is what their reaction should have been to the master. And the first two, that was their reaction. They recognized their trust and trusted them his property. To one gave five, another two, another one. The secret is, and we're going to get to that today, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. And the first thing that we learned last week, and I'm going to name it now just so we can move on, is that recognize in the relationship of the master to the servants, which by the way, Jesus says, I will no longer call you servants, I'm going to call you friends. So we are his friends, we are his family, but much more, he says, our father which art in heaven. And then before he was lifted up, he goes, I go to my Father, I go to my God and your God. He, he, he tightens that circle of relationship. So therefore, the responsibility is not one of being a hireling. I'm being paid, so I got to do it. And I hate it. It's I love it. And you know what? If I wasn't paid, I would still be doing it because I love him. So the point here is that he goes away. And we have must recognize that as he goes, he leaves with them what's most precious. And they must recognize the honor of trust, the honor of his trust, recognizing how much God trusts you should awaken you and say, listen, I can't live this way. Look how much he has entrusted to me. And now we want to explain verse 15, because it may seem to be unfair from certain perspectives. Actually, Different parts of this text may come out to be unfair unless you take your time to see exactly where the Lord is coming from. So he goes away and he trusts them. He, he invites them as he did, as he, as he gathered the disciples, come follow me. He invites them. He empowers them. He says, receive the Holy Spirit and breathes upon them. Empowers them to go two by two and preach the gospel. He invites, he empowers, he sends them in the end. Go and preach the gospel. Make disciples. And now we understand exactly how he empowers them. And this is our second principle here. To recognize God's wisdom of grace. Grace is not fair. Fair would be judgment and condemnation. Because you may look around and say, well, that's not fair. I wish I could play the organ and the piano like she does. That's not fair. Fair. 
Some of you may say, oh, I wish I could speak from up there, and that scares me to death. That's not fair. And we spend our time like Peter. Peter's walking with Jesus, and Jesus says, do you love me? Oh, yeah, you know, I like you, Lord. And he's, the Lord wants to embed in his heart, listen, if you love me, you'll serve me with all your heart. And, and Peter's uh, ADD like me. He goes, how about him? As they're walking by, they see John. And there were rumors going on that John would live until the Lord would return again. And, and, and the Lord is looking at Peter. Peter's looking at John. You ever done that? God's talking to you. And you say, well, how about them? They haven't had this much problems. They're not suffering of this. They're not dealing with that. How about them, Lord? And the Lord said, don't pay attention to others. You do what I say. It's between you and me. So I guess at times when we become discontent and we begin to criticize and, and we, we act like children is because we're not looking at him and we're not hearing what he has for us, which actually begins to speak life in our hearts where we are fulfilled, not in life, but in the Lord. Okay, that's when we look at other people and say, well, how about them? How come they got a bigger house, a better job? How come they got this? And that? The Lord says, no, grace is not fair, but there's wisdom in God's grace. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one. And here's the secret, to each according to his ability. You know what the word ability is there in Greek? It's dunamis, dynamo, power. That's what the word means. Not just the ability, because if we would say ability, we'll say, listen, I got, hidden, I got hidden talents that you don't know of. I can actually do that. I just, you just haven't seen me do it. Watch me do it. It's not the ability per se. It's the strength to carry it. The strength to carry it to a good, successful completion. And the Lord in his wisdom, that grace of what they received was according to their own ability of power, of sustenance or maintaining it. And then he went away. Interesting that God is not a helicopter God, right? We know that term helicopter parent or, or helicopter boss. Okay, do this, that, or the other. And then instead of walking away, he's watching. Mm, let's see how you're doing that way. No, 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 no. And it constantly bugs this. The employee, no, God says, listen, I'm giving you as the master gives it, and I trust you. I'm trusting you not just to give you, but I trust you to walk away. So at those times when you think that God is absent, that is not involved in your life, and you're like, oh God, where are you? Help me, I'm dropping all, this, uh, all these things I'm trying to juggle. God has not walked away. He stepped back to allow you to learn about dependence on him as you're dealing with the gift he's already given you that is actually already blessed that you are able to do what is put before you. He's not absent. He's teaching you. And his silence teaches you more than words sometimes. And then he went away. Now, let's talk about these talents a little bit. To one, he gave five talents. By the way, this talent here, since we're talking within the church's, church's I would say, um, perspective, this talent is a spiritual ability to do something that is supernaturally empowered. 
It's not the talent of playing an instrument or the talent to sing or the talent to speak. It's something completely different. It deals with a specific gift that was tailored just for you. Before you were born, the character that God has given you from your parents and the character that has been formed by your upbringing, though hardship or blessing, that character intertwined with your makeup, there's a gift that God God has given just you at the point of your second birth. It's not a gift you get when you're born. Those may be talents for worldly or secular use, such as, I don't know, playing a piano or um, being an engineer and figuring out all these formulas. That is not necessarily a gift from the Holy Spirit. He talks about these talents that were given to them. Now, the word here in, 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 in origin is talanton, so it's easy to translate or to use it in our language. It's easier to say talent. It actually means to bear, to balance. And I take you right back to ability, which is actually power. Make that formula. To bear, to have a balance as in supporting weights. Because back in the day, the way that they were able to buy and sell their marketplace, it was by the weight of the coin, not necessarily what was imprinted on the coin. So this is a talent, not a monetary value by representing an emblem or a seal, but it's a weight of value of what what it was. And it is known that back in the day, the people that had talents were very rich, extremely rich. One talent is a lot. You may think, well, it's not fair that one guy got one talent. Sometimes, you know, any pastor coming up to seminary is looking at all the surrounding possibilities. And when you're in seminary, you're thinking, okay, I'm going to write my own ticket in ministry until God slams you down and teaches you some humility. And you say, I'm going to have a church of thousands of people. And God says, no, no. How about you go pastor a church in, as Paul says, Podunk, Virginia. Paul was for 15 years in Chalice With a small church being faithful. And God says, no, no, it's not the size. Because you know what? If I give you that size, you couldn't handle it. I'm going to give you not what you necessarily will bring you joy, but will bring glory to God. In the gift that you have. Specifically made, created for you. Given to you at the point of salvation and a new birth. The Holy Spirit has given you a gift that no one can do like you do to give glory to God. In Palestine, this talent was not a coin. It was a measure of weight. Coins could be copper, could be silver, even gold. But it doesn't specify the coinage, Jesus. Because you can't really calculate how valuable the talents were. Some would say that a talent was worth 6,000 denarii. Or if some people try to calculate the amount, we're looking at millions of dollars. So that man that received one talent could not say, well, that's not fair. You gave me such a little amount. What can I do with this? That was not the point. He could have done a lot with that because it was a lot. It's sufficient to say that each was a very large amount. If a talent was worth 6,000 denarii, 
It would have taken a worker 20 years to work out to get that money. So we're probably talking hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars that they received. But the amount is unimportant. In all that Jesus did for us in the church, for the church, in salvation. He saved us in order to be equipped to carry out the mission that he had started. That's how it was. He made disciples and he sent them. And the mission remains the same. And I'm afraid that the church has dropped the ball. In large. At least if we know that 20% of the people in the church carry the work and ministry of the 80% of the other ones. Other people in the church which are doing nothing in the church. We have the same responsibility that Jesus I speak what my father tells me to speak. I do what my father has given me to do. And he says, I send you as my father sent me. And that kept on going and going. And it arrived into your life when you were saved. What do you do? Do what Jesus did. And as, as he quoted in Matthew 28, make disciples. Now, as the Lord did that and entrusted us with that, he ensured the power. We come back to the word dunamis, that word power, each according to his ability, and the talent is a weight, a balance, a power in a, in a sense. And the Lord says, I send you into all the world, all the power has been given to me, so I send you and I will be with you. In the same way, from that power, he gives us the tools, the gifts, and the talents to be used for His glory. Open with me to Ephesians chapter 4 verse 7. Ephesians 4 7. Where Paul talks about the gifts that we have received for the, from the Holy Spirit. To be a blessing and to equip the church. To equip the church. The call of the elder and the pastors together, one and the same, is not necessarily to do the work for the church, but to equip the saints to do the work of God. Many churches sit back and say, well, the pastor should go and, and, and witness. Yes, he does. Well, the pastor should go and, and make the church grow. No. Put it this way. And this is not to step away from the responsibility we have a church together to grow spiritually and numerically. But asking the leadership to make a church grow would be like going to a shepherd surrounded by sheep saying, Okay, I want more sheep. What are you going to do about it? Can you birth some sheep? No, I can't birth some sheep. The shepherd cannot birth sheep. Sheep birth sheep. What the shepherd can do is make sure the sheep are healthy, that they're being fed, that they have enough water, that he tends them, he cares for them, he protects them. And a sheep that is healthy will do what? We'll have other little baby ewes, lambs. Just as a family, young family, want children, they got to be healthy. Mentally, physically, and if they love each other, they're going to have children. Same thing. So we are called to equip, not just the elders, because this one goes, this is passed down. We are to equip one another and use our talents. And here's what the Holy Spirit says. 
Ephesians 4, 7, but grace was given to each one of us. There it is. Each according to his ability. Grace. What's this, uh, what's this uh, power? It's God's grace. But grace was given to each one of us as the talent was given according to the ability. Grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. So it's not the Lord going around with one big bag of Santa's toys and he just grabs and gives and here comes little Johnny, last kid in the whole class and, 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 and Santa has nothing else. He looks down, what else is there? And he picks the, 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 the last of the litter of toys that he has and gives the kid something cheap and, and no value. Kid walks away crying. God doesn't do that. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Paul said that in 2 Corinthians 4, 6, all that God has invested in you is a light that points to His grace. Thanks for listening to Scriptures for Life, a ministry of Trinity Evangelical Free Church in Boise, Idaho. For more information about our church, visit us online at trinityefcboise.org or by phone at 208-322-8801. Our church is located at 1777 North Allenbaugh Street in Boise. We'd love for you to join us for Sunday worship at 11 a.m. Join us next week at the same time as we go through and apply God's Word on Scriptures for Life.